welcome to the 85th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Rebel Galaxy by Double Damage Games. Eric, who are you and what do you do? I am Eric Schaefer. I am one of the two members of Double Damage Games, uh, along with Travis Baldry. I am a, I'd call myself a game designer first, and second, perhaps an entrepreneur. Excellent. So, how did you make your start in this realm of video games? Well, it goes way back to the early 90s. I was... uh, Post-college years, didn't really know what I was doing with myself. I was uh, doing graphic design on a computer. Ended up doing some contract work with a company that all of a sudden got a video game contract. Started to work on the video game for a couple months, and that uh, that first video game was called The Adventures of Gordo 106. It was a little platformer. I had no idea how to make a game. I was just kind of helping out with this company. Anyway, that company crashed pretty quickly, but when they did, and they couldn't pay me, they paid me in the computer equipment that they used to make the, the game, and uh, also had some contacts with uh, with some publishers at the time, Atari back then, and a couple started to meet a couple guys and decided, hey, let's, let me take off on my own with that. My brother and I started a company, our own little video game company right after that. So it was kind of by accident. I never really planned to do it. I kind of had no idea what I wanted to do in life and sort of just fell into game design by accident. <laughs> uh, started a company to do it back when there could be two or three guys making a company, and we're back to that point now. But So that's how I got my start. Uh, there's, a, there's a long tail from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, give me, you can give me bullet point or spotted highlights, if you will, because we've, okay. develop- we've, we'd, we've had developers who's just like, oh, well, this is our first game, and they've just come out of university, which is brilliant. I'm sure you feed off that too. But uh, I've also had like chaps like yourself who've been around 30, 40 years doing it, and it's great. It's just a you know, whole spectrum. That's why I love doing this show. So let me give us some like, highlights of what you've been involved with over the years. Okay, so shortly after that uh, started up, we I, I got involved with David Brevik, a guy who uh, I had met long ago, too. And we started a company called Condor. Condor made some weird fighting games, Justice League Task Force, and some handheld football games. But where we became famous, I guess, where we really got our first start was designing Diablo or making Diablo. So we made Diablo as Condor for a few years and then got bought out by essentially Blizzard, the parent company of Blizzard, and we became Blizzard North, where I worked for about uh, about 10 years, making Diablo, Diablo 2, the Diablo 2 expansion. Uh, quit quit uh, Blizzard North. We, we all quit Blizzard, a, bunch, a big group of us, and went and founded Flagship Studios. Oh, yes. Flagship Studios was famous for, infamous for, for Hellgate London. Yes, it's a game that, uh, I'm from London, and uh, when I when it came out, I thought, oh, I wonder if I've got my house in it. It, it, it didn't, but for obvious reasons. <laughs> but um, just as a side note, we've had David on this show. Okay, great. He's been on the show, so this is awesome to get the, the your, 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 your uh, sort of perspective on what happened. So that's cool. So you weren't flagship, carry on. Yeah, so flagship crashed and burned pretty pretty bad. It did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> after that, we took we my brother and I again and a couple other guys uh, who were involved with flagship North, which was a little branch we had up in Seattle. There's about eight or nine guys. They were making a game called Mythos when this whole thing went down. Uh, when flagship died, we lost the rights to Mythos. And so we just grabbed that team up in Seattle, a small, young team uh, that was manageable size for us, kind of salvaged them, and uh, started a studio called Runic Games. Runic made Torchlight and Torchlight 2. Uh, my brother is still the CEO of Runic. They're making a cool game called Hob. 
got some publicity at PAX. Yes, I saw it. I played it at PAX. It's it's cool. Very cool. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, you, it seems like you know everything. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I also met Travis as well. well. We'll talk about that in a second. But carry on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So about then it leads to sort of double damage games now. This is, so my fourth company about. Year and a half ago, Travis called called me. Travis was one of the partners and the really the team lead and the and the president at at Runic Games. He called me up and was saying, "Oh, I'm going. Uh, you know, I can't take it anymore. I can't manage these big teams. He just doesn't like to." Uh, so he's he's telling me this story about how he's a, he's going to quit Runic, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm really bummed because uh, he was such a great, great guy." I'm thinking, "How could we possibly recover without him?" But in about 20 minutes of talk. He then says, so what I was thinking is, you and I go off on our own, and we make that space game we've been talking about. <laughs> so uh, immediately I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds terrific. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm okay with a big team, but I, I really prefer not to do management myself. I like to just make the game. Uh, so it sounded great to me, mm-hmm. and it was a, a project, we'll probably get into this soon, but a project I'd wanted to make for a long, long time. Uh, so it was just the perfect opportunity. So Travis and I took off amicably and formed Double Damage Games. That was in, I think, April or May of last year. And uh, set set off on this Rebel Galaxy quest. Um, what a quest it is. Um, but we'll get on to that later. But yes, yeah, so I interviewed Travis way, 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 way back in the day talking about uh, Torchlight. On another show I did way back in the day, in 2011 sometime. And uh, it, it, that interview actually gave birth to this show. So ah. I have to thank him and you for that. It's another one of the thousand reasons why I wanted to bring you on. Because when I first heard about Rebel Galaxy, I actually contacted your PR people, the people you've engaged, and said, oh, this is awesome, you're, you're, you're making a new game. And uh, I have to have him back on the show. Um, but uh, here you are, Eric, uh, and, and it's been fantastic to have you. And... Uh, it's quite a, an impressive story of, of um, creating a, a certain type of, of, of game. I mean, I remember playing Diablo, and I have to tell you this story. I told it to David, and he said he found it funny. But when I first played Diablo, um, I called myself Red Warrior. And, uh, and every now and again, I'd say, shot the food on the screen and stuff like that. I was basically making jokes about Gauntlet. Uh, while, while playing a game <laughs> of mine. <laughs> it's like, now has reflective shot. Like, what? What do you talk? Like, um, and like um, um, it's about to die. What? <laughs> it was great. Um, but no, I have to thank you for Diablo because I know it wasn't Gauntlet. I know that I'm being silly, but I'm sure Gauntlet had an inspiration behind that game, didn't it? I don't know. I've never actually asked you or David that. We're, we're, I'm sorry. What game? Gauntlet. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, War and Food. Yeah. Uh, 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 Yes, that that had a big inspiration. We we played it. There was a when we were at Runic, it wasn't the main inspiration. I can get into that. But no. the, 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 it, we did play some of that at one of the local restaurants while we were uh, cooking up the whole idea. So <laughs> it did come into play. Yes, <laughs> certainly. But there's way more to it. Much more depth. Thank God, because quite frankly, it doesn't really hold up. I'm sure I'm going to get chastised for retro gamers out there. I'm sorry. It really doesn't. It doesn't. Come on. Give in. Outrun, I give you that. Yes, that still holds up. But really, sorry, Outrun's one of my favourite games. It's so pretty. Um, <laughs> so um, so we, we meander all over the place in this show. It's great. Now, so you, you I just want to go on to, well, we've sort of hinted at this already. My next question is, as a creator, what is the thing that you find or what are the things that you find that inspires you to carry on or to create new things. What's the what is it that, that keeps you going? What's the thing that uh, or things that, that you all? It, it's a bit. It's perhaps a bit of a cliche now, but I really have to work on a game that I want to play. This <laughs> takes too many hours and too much repetition. It, it really has to. I, I kind of make them for myself. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not the only guy, so we're all making it. But for me to work on these games. It, it has to be a game that I'm. I wish was out there, and that I could sit there and iterate on and play all the time. Uh, so that's why we never end up working with somebody else's IP or with. Uh, we try not to make copies of other games, but mostly uh, it's just you know it's filling a niche that I, that I think uh, as a gamer I want to fill. 
That's a great answer. I think that's great. It's just that um, desire to, like, why would you spend years, years on a game that you have personally no interest in? Uh, and that must be, I'm sure, I'm sure there are developers out there that do that. You know? Yeah. There's a, and that's, that's a fine business goal and stuff. But obviously, tons of people are making games for, for children and stuff that they're probably not going to play themselves. The, the funny thing is, though, once I finish a game, I can almost never play it again. So I, I made it for myself, but I can't, I can't get myself to actually play. Oh, wow. So once it's done, you walk away and go, okay, on to the next thing. Pretty much. It's, it's partially because it's just too painful to look at all the little tiny things that I wish we had gotten to. Mm. Uh, it, it just becomes, I, I have to kind of divorce myself from it. I mean, I'll, I'll play like crazy, like, um, you know, 18 hours a day in the, in the weeks and months leading up to the release. But then like the day of release, I, I hope to never have to play it again. Maybe I'll go test something for a patch or, or something real quick. But I just can't face looking at them ever again. <laughs> because you, you, no, no project's truly finished. At least of all, creative ones. Yeah, I'm too and, close. I'm yeah. too close to it, and I, and all I can see are the flaws. Yeah, and it's just wood through trees, and like, look at that texture. What texture? I can't even see it. It's there. I can't. I really. <laughs> I'm too busy blowing up that ship. No, look. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah, uh, yeah, like especially with Diablo, the, to these to this day, I can't look at a picture of Diablo without seeing seams in the in the background textures that are that are my responsibility and that I goofed up on. But I, I just cringe every time I look at a picture. Even no one cared. It's great, isn't it? No one really. At least I don't think so. Unless you're a weird person or Neogaf, which probably yeah. <laughs> probably rebuilt the whole game anyway, just for spite. You know, like oh, look, <laughs> I did it. See, yeah, thanks, thanks for. Over a 20-year-old game. Good job. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's quite interesting, um, sort of, we're going to go on and talk about this later on about Rebel Galaxy, but I think the, the visual splendor of it really does shine. Um, so well done for that. Thanks. So, you're talking, so we're talking about influences, and you're basically saying, well, I'm just driven and influenced and, and drawn to something I want to play myself. And then when I finish with it, I no longer wish to, which is just almost uh, a big page of, you could have a whole conference on psychological problems there, but there it is. <laughs> it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like building a sandcastle, standing and go, oh, that's terrible, and then knocking it down, or walking away right. from it. It's fantastic. But or just letting the waves crash over it and wash yeah. it away. That's right. <laughs> wash it out of my mind. But I know it, it, video game creation is phenomenally difficult. Um, it's much easier now than it was before. You may disagree with what I just said. I don't know, but um, I think you know. I've talked about this about developers on, on the show, and I've already. I'm, I'm terribly old, and I was. I generally thought for years, until relatively recently, I, I'm embarrassed to admit that in order to make video games, you needed to know assembly. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, and, we, you don't have to. <laughs> no, but that was true. What I just said, that was true. 20, 20 years ago, maybe twenty five. That is. Yep. When when we started that company, Condor, yeah. uh, back in the day, David Brevik did not everything, but a lot of stuff in assembly, especially for these handheld uh, football games. The early Game Boy and Game Gear little yeah. football games we made yeah. uh, were largely written in assembly. I had nothing to. I, I didn't. I don't know any assembly. I barely know any C myself. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So you know, taking that on board. But it's still, you know, the thing about love about video games, and also it's 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 its bonus and its curse, in my view, is that it takes every medium you could possibly think of, and then squishes it into one thing, and then adds another thing to it called interaction. Um, I know I'm being oversimplifying this, but if you get my meaning, you have theatre, because it's a story sometimes, not all the time, but most of the time you certainly have music and then you have effects, and then you have um, art, of course and animation all into this one thing and there, are yeah. people, and there are people out there who just do one of those things like musicians it, 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 it intrigues me how you have musicians sitting in music studios spending years on an album like, what are you doing? <laughs> 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 what, what are you doing? 
thing, you know. Um, and I just, I just find it amusing that you know. I know it's, there's lots of reasons why they're, they're crafting, they're crafting a, a song, what have you. I get it, I get it. But even still, come on, really, it's just a song. Get over yourself. Try making a video game. That's a world of pain. So yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of people who make video games, who do you most admire in the industry and why? Well, it's it's a little weird. I, I don't have a lot. I don't know a lot of people in the industry. I've always just had my own company, uh, so I, I know the close people around me, and I admire a lot of them. I mean, the ones I would certainly point to are David Brevik uh, and Ty, and Travis Baldry here, and the, those guys really drive the development of the game from the beginning to the end. They can kind of do it all. Uh, so those are the the two best examples of guys I super, I super admire. There are designers. I mean, I'm a huge Sid Meier fan. I just I don't know him and I don't no. know uh, his process. So I certainly admire the results of a lot of these people. But I, I just don't know too many people in the industry. I'm I'm sort of a reclusive guy myself. Okay. So I, I kind of have a hard time answering that question, other than the people I directly work with. I mean, I could reword it as like any particular company you think they're doing good stuff. They should carry on doing that. That'd be good. Thumbs up. That's, yeah, that's, well, yeah. I, I, I'm still, I still love Blizzard. I still love Blizzard games. I think mm-hmm. they've, you know, they've gotten in a, a good little pattern now of now making a bunch of new games, which is neat to see. Uh, and I just love the craftsmanship. And it, it, I was part of kind of building up Blizzard, but really the, the lessons we learned back then, uh, I think, stick with me today. But those guys, I mean, they get a little, they get a lot of grief at times for decisions they make, but they care about every decision to such a huge degree, and they really talk about the player all the time. Uh, and I, I really just, I love the way that the that that they thought about these things, even when we made bad decisions. We, it was really all in the all in the uh, efforts to to please and to be good, <laughs> do good for the player. So, and I, and I think, I don't know. I just love a lot of their design principles, the way that teams helped out the other teams. Uh, it was just, it was a great environment, and I think that they really succeeded in g- going from a tiny company like they were about the same size of our Condor back then into a giant company and, and keeping on their feet. So. Uh, yeah, so I think Blizzard would be a great example. Yeah, I agree. I think Hearthstone, if I may interject with that one, it's an extraordinary game. I have a, a new iPhone. I've got a 6S Plus. I'm not saying it to boast. I really am not. I'm just saying it works so well with that screen and so well on that platform. Um, uh, it, it makes my commute to work very, very pleasant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, just... They never half-ass half ass anything. They don't, no. They're not going to put out an iPhone version of Hearthstone that's, that's bad just to get it out there. No. I think you're right. Half-baking something is the worst. Yep. You and I have both probably experienced games that are like, oh, dear. You didn't really... No, we didn't really think this through, but we've got to get it out, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've also been on that side. Uh, you know, yeah. Already brought up Hellgate London, you know, that uh, right before it should have. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, I did play it and finish that, I'd say. I mean, you know, there was some bonkers stuff in that game, but uh, yeah, brave. I don't mean, yeah. that, I don't mean to patronise. I mean, when you say that, like, oh, really? When a British person says, that was a brave decision. Oh, really? <laughs> what are you really saying? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, cool. So. Next question, then. It's my favourite, favourite question, because it, 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 it gives me a hint as to what you're working on next. No, it doesn't. It's a lie. It, uh, it's basically a question I have to ask by law, according to podcasts, because this is a video game podcast, therefore I have to ask it. The, the question is, what are you playing right now? Uh, this, is, this is sort of embarrassing, because I'm, I'm looking at the screen as we talk here, but I, I've gone back into Minecraft. <laughs> I just like... I just like to go in and, and just, it's almost more like meditation than gameplay for me. You know, I can just build castles and towers and turn off my brain. It's kind of something I do after, uh, after games a lot. You know, I just have to kind of disassociate from the, from the previous, the game we just made. And I just find it very relaxing. I also have put in probably 25 hours in the last 
last three days, I mean, a lot of time, into uh, Civ Five, a game I always fall back on, one of the civilizations, but currently I, I like Civ Five. Uh, and so I, I played just tons and tons of hours of, of that over the last couple of weeks since we've released Rebel Galaxy. That's fantastic. Uh, two games that I really like. Um, Civ Five. I've been playing Civ since it came out on... Um, well, I, I was an Amiga kid. I wasn't a PC person until mid-90s. So right. Because I'm British, so what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> we, I was an we, Apple II kid. There you go. Yeah, because I, I, I'm British, I had a Spectrum Sinclair. You know about those. Uh, yep. we, we, you know, that the British video game industry was built off of that thing. Uh, uh, although, in my opinion, we hang on to it for far too long. Um, so I mean I migrated off the Atari ST another great machine and then then on to the Amiga but uh, yeah I I remember playing uh, Civilization on the Amiga and losing far too many hours to it just not knowing what I was sucking myself into I had no idea what I was was, going to encounter but even to this day the Civ original core when you play the Civ 5 it's still there isn't it the core of it still there, the forex experience of pushing, you know, pushing the boundaries and overextending yourself, which always kicks you in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how similar that they play, even though the, a lot of the dynamics have changed. It's Absolutely. That, that one more turn, yeah, that pushing yourself a little too far. Uh oh, I've left myself undefended. Yeah. It's, it's got exact same emotions as the. I started with Civ two. I didn't play the the first one, but I played them all since then, and I, I loved them all. Yes, and uh, as for Minecraft, do you play it with the monsters and stuff? Because I, I personally love that. But y- yeah, I, l- I like to play the survival mode with yeah. uh, with the monsters. I'll, I don't I don't do the quests. I don't really go fight this Ender Dragon. I've never done the storyline stuff that they've added in. Uh, I just like to build my stuff. But I but I, I guess in my head, I'm playing a game because there's monsters around. Yeah, I mean it's just like the survival. There you are. Here you go. This is a there's an axe or, you know, implement. Off you go. What? You're going to be eaten alive if you don't do something. Oh, God! And you, know, you just go and do something. And yep. it's just... You, even just the hint of danger makes it a, a game and not just a, an art or something. No. And I, I respect the people, you know, the children typically who do use it as a giant Lego kit, which, again, sure. is fantastic. But I just love the, the whole survival thing. And that's a, for me, it's, it's a survival horror game. It really is. So yes. It really is. And uh, you say it's relaxing, but there are times like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. No, you're going to be fine. No, I'm going to die. <laughs> and, you know, it can get quite tense. But no. Yeah, and I've been playing it on the PC from, since it first came out. and went way, way, way back when it was a beta. Or even alpha. Like, is this an idea? Do people like this? Yes. <laughs> so I remember being in that that feel, that that realm when people were just like kicking off on it going this is a weird thing go play it like, but it looks like crap no please just just play it and uh, yeah. yeah yeah some guys at runic were playing it and for, uh, for about a week i resisted i just thought it looked ridiculously dumb yeah <laughs> and you just look at this weird sort of pixelated art of graphics and you go <clears throat> that looks terrible and like just play it oh i get it Yep. So, yeah. Shortly after I started up, you know, you survive your first night, you may make your first sword or something, and then it, it all kind of clicks very quickly. But um, my only concern is all the Me Too games that have come out since it, and they haven't quite captured its spirit. Yeah, I haven't found. I keep looking at them, but I haven't really found one my, uh, either that comes close. No. Anyway, let's move on to uh, the second half of the show, which is really the core of what we're here to talk about. This is indeed Rebel Galaxy. And this isn't really a proper question, actually. It's your chance to describe to me what on earth exactly is Rebel Galaxy. 
you guys. Yeah, there's a, this is one's tough. I don't know why I don't have a good answer for this yet because everybody always asks. I mean, there's a reason. There's a, there's a reason I do this. So you and I have an understanding, and the audience understanding. What on earth we're we about to talk about for the next twenty minutes? Yeah. Okay. I'll try to. I'll try to. Who knows what, what I'll come up with here? Uh, it's a lot of things, but really, it's a it's a, a space captain simulator. You're the captain of a of a giant spaceship, and it's an open world role playing adventure story uh, spaceship combat game. So it, it's too many things in one. But essentially, what you are, it's like a hand solo simulator. You you command a small spaceship. You fly around the galaxy and decide what you want to do. It's up. It's kind of up to you. It could be. You could be a a good guy. You could be a bad guy. You could. Everything involves combat. But you know, do you, do you want to? Do you want to uh, use combat to su- uh, supplement your cargo runs and your mining things, or do you just want to go out there and blast pirates or be a pirate yourself? So it's an open world spaceship simulator. Kind of a hand solo pre Star Wars simulators. Yeah. Way to describe it. Yeah, I, I agree. Now as someone people often ask me a silly question, say they like video games, they go, What's your favorite? Which is you and I know as if people who love video games is a stupid question because it all depends on what your mood is. But I often go, Well, I guess if you really want to push me on it, it would be elite. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you. It's elite. It's my amazing sandbox game that was Made in 1984. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and out of 22 kilobytes of memory. Uh, <laughs> which I love telling this story. Like, wow. That's like less yeah. than an email. Like, well, it's maths. <laughs> lots and lots of maths. And also the concept of having the computer create content. And then when the, when the computer's made that content and you move away from it, it deletes that content and makes more content. Brilliant, brilliant. But uh, yep. that's 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 aside. Really, it's the the thought of actually you captaining in a ship and flying through space, uh, and uh, something uh, ever since when I when I was six years old, and I watched the first Star Wars with my siblings, and just like I Falcon Millennium, I was my mind was blown, and um, now to have that opportunity to to fly that through this, a similar vessel, indeed something slightly bigger in many regards. Um, is only can be only regarded as a blessing. <laughs> um, but no, I think, yeah, I think you described it pretty well. It's it's a relatively open world. You can do what you like within reason, within the boundaries of the of the game construct, which otherwise it just goes out of control. Um, but it's still you're you're right. You can do what you will, uh, but that does have consequences, which we'll talk about later. Um, but first, I want to ask about ownership. There's a sense of ownership for the pla- for your ship where you're flying around because you add bits to it and it changes and what have you. Was this at the very core around which Rebel Galaxy was built? Yeah, very much. We decided in the beginning that, uh, well, actually, my initial designs for this game before we started to make it, before we even formed Double Damage, uh, were even a little more in the sense, but... The idea was the ship is your character, so that uh, instead of uh, the RPGs I had always worked on, where your character is really your skill trees and your and your equipment mostly, uh, that in this game we don't have a little guy. Instead, it's the ship. So we wanted to we wanted to almost have like a, a my early designs had almost a ship paper doll where you'd create the little ship like you create a, tor- a torchlight or Diablo character. Um, so yeah, the ship being the character, so you had ownership over the ship. I think one one big concern we had with the game, and I still think it kind of limits the appeal to some degree, is you all you almost always want to feel like you're cool when you're playing a video game. Who wants to play, <laughs> play somebody who's not cool? So, but how can you be cool if you aren't even a uh, a person? We never see your person. You don't really you do talk and dialogue trees, but it's pretty generic. Uh, so, h- how do you create an ownership over the over the ship? How do you get tied in? I I don't know. That was a challenge, but we thought that the, that the ship being your your RPG character was an early idea we had. Yeah, and I, I do take your point that people want to project or want to have an avatar that's awesome 
However, there are exceptions to this rule. Papers, please, be an example. Stanley Parable. All these games don't really make you cool. They actually make you look like an idiot. Well, actually, <laughs> um, yeah, it make, uh, yeah, there's an emotional sort of ties when it comes to Papers, please, which are actually going to lead me on to my next question about Rebel Galaxy is morality. It's run through Rebel Galaxy. And there's... Um, is there not a sense that when you, you know, make certain decisions versus uh, interactions with various factions that exist within the, the, the systems and the, the space you're flying through, is there not a sense of a greater good for all of these actions? Yeah, I think there really is. And I think that that was almost by accident. Although when we started to see how that was playing out, we, we tried to cater to it. Uh, but for some reason, you know, the, the, the games that, w- that we were kind of basing it on, Elites and Privateer and uh, Sid Meier's Pirates and everything, they had elements of that. But for some, uh, I, I think it's something that Travis did here with the dialogues uh, and, the, and the comms of the people talking to you. I, I do feel like there was a morality that came into play and not like in a kind of a neat game way. You set off to, you set, I always start thinking, okay, this time I'm going to play a pirate or this time I'm going to just play a really good pro militia guy. But we keep throwing you in these circumstances that it kind of warps what you're doing there. It, or it warps, uh, you're, it, it, tempts, it maybe tempts you away from being the good guy. You know, it's just, this guy's kind of acting like a jerk, and I've scanned his hold, and he's got some diamonds in there. Uh, just this one time, I'm going to take out <laughs> this guy. And so we're, I, I almost like the way that it's really, even if you try to play black and white characters, it's hard to do. Um, and there, there's an overall sense that you're kind of, doing things for good and that, but at the same time, everybody in this galaxy is sort of out for themselves. So you don't feel too bad about being out for yourself on your, uh, yourself. <laughs> that makes any sense. But I, I do like the way that the, uh, that the, the morality played into this, that you always get this feeling, well, should I do that? That's just, I'm, it's not very nice, <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. And it's kind of fun anyway. It's a weird circumstance that we're actually going to try to develop more in, in the, going into the future. Yeah, I just find it fascinating that you, you infuse this into the game. Uh, something I wasn't expecting. Like, oh, what's this? Where's he, where are you going with this? And, uh, yeah, it just felt you had to, you know, going back to the ownership thing, you not only own the ship, but you also own your actions. Yes. Yes, good way to put it. I think another thing is, like, there's people are... It feels like, and it kind of fell in this by accident, but it feels to me when I play like there's things are going on in this galaxy even without you taking part. You know, you, you fly across battles that are happening, uh, that had nothing to do with you and you could just move on and, and do nothing about them. But there's a good chance that somebody in that battle is going to hail you and say, hey, give me a hand out here. Uh, and you can say, nah, screw it, I'm just going to go on my mission. But there's something, it almost feels to me like, well, I might as well help this guy out, even though I'm not really going to get out, <laughs> out of it. Or indeed, I um, might not get out alive myself. But <laughs> <laughs> Right. That happens. So I, I, just, I like the way that that developed in our game. It, was sort of, it wasn't our intention, but it sort of just flowed from the development. That's fantastic. That's exactly what I love to hear about, you know, emerging gameplay coming out from development, let alone from the actual experience of playing the game. Like, oh, well, we've done this, we've set this model up, now it's doing this thing, which we have no intention of it doing, but let's just carry on. You know? Yeah, and, and that really describes all the games I've worked on. Uh, we, we rarely start with much of a map. Maybe on the sequels we have a better idea, but especially the, or the, like the first iterations, Diablo, even Torchlight, Hellgate London, certainly. It's just... Start with something and try to make it fun, and then figure out how to build on it from there. Uh, so, in a way, I'm a I'm a terrible designer in that I don't have a great design document. Sometimes it's tough to pitch these games without a design document, but, and just telling the whole, uh, publishers or the whole team, in fact, of the rest of the developers, just trust us. We're going to get to something cool. Uh, it, it may be, it may look weird for a while, may not be like other people are doing it, but it's gonna, it's gonna turn cool at some point. And I always have confidence, even when it wasn't warranted, like on Hellgate, <laughs> uh, 
Although, I, I don't want to trash Hellgate all the time. I think we did a lot of really cool things there. Hey, it kept uh, my attention. It really did. I, I got through it. It was great. Yeah, well, thanks. I th- yeah, I think it's, it's a shame that some things turned out so bad or so disastrous, not so much bad, that it kind of taints the whole thing and it could never go on from there. But, yeah, I think it, it, we did a lot of neat things. We took a lot of crazy chances, brave, as you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, moving on from there, it, it, that's also just the only way I can really put these t- the time into these games. I don't want to just make a roadmap and then fill in the roadmap. I want to think day to day, hey, what should we be doing? What's fun here? What's not fun? How do we solve these problems? That's that's why I love this job. Yeah. Uh, also, another thing about creative, any creative endeavor is that I say this and people blanch at it, but I say it's quite destructive. <laughs> In that yeah. You make a lot of things and you go, yeah, that's great, but it's not working on this game, is it? No, toss into the into the trash can it goes. Yeah, so. which gets harder and harder with bigger teams. Yeah. First of all, you're disappointing a lot of people if you're going to tr- trash a lot of stuff they've done. It's also very costly. You know, you set a set a team of artists doing something that you decide, you know what, we didn't quite do it right here. Uh, so uh, that's another reason these our little two man company is been so uh enjoyable for me yeah and it just helps with the you know the fact that it's gone full circle now the fact that you've got all these tools available to you like unity etc etc that allow you to do that you can do that again you can make these small you know yep it's a great great period i think right now for game development very liberating so speaking of things that uh, you've added on and this may sound like a very strange question, but I think it's quite important for a space game. There's a great sense of speed when traveling between systems, I've found. It's brilliant. How difficult was this to create? Well, uh, there's, there's a couple elements to that, to that. I think there's probably three. Uh, when we first started to make the game, almost before we had even quit Runic uh, and started the company... One of Travis's first efforts in the game was that was making that warp effect was kind of uh, kicking the ship into warp, and so you're in order to fly from place to place. And it was like almost his first stab was just so great that I, I remember the day it was like, oh, I, we made the right decision here. This is going to be <laughs> this is going to be terrific. Um, I don't know how he did it. He's in a lot of ways he's a very intuitive guy, but it, it just. All, the first time I kicked into warp, it was just like, oh, my God, this is perfect. It almost stayed the same. One thing that changed is we made an early build, demo build to show off. I forget what it was for, probably maybe an early first press build or we just wanted to show somebody something. And he put some music attached to it. And when, oh, yeah, we, made, we were making our first little demo video. I forget, I forget the again why it was but anyway we set music to this thing and there was a chord in the music that kicked in right when we went into the warp that just hit perfectly and the timing was just great and made the warp feel even greater so we ended up just kind of taking that chord out of the music and building it into the into the the game sounds the sound effects for the warp so that that part the warp part was just a lucky Stab by Travis. Not so much lucky because he does this kind of thing all the time, but kind of a right out of the blue, and it was perfect. What took us a long time was the scale of the galaxy. You know, your your one's first guess would be, "Hey, let's make this realistic. Let's make the 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 planets the planet size and the distance between them planet size." That turned out to be super slow and boring, and you didn't really see anything. We really wanted to have a living space and not like this big, blank, empty space, which is very realistic. So we kept shrinking and shrinking the scale of the the, uh, the scope and the scale of the, these solar systems to the point where your spaceship, your starship is bigger than some of the moons, not because your starship is so immense, but just because the moons are so tiny, our scale is just completely unrealistic, but uh, it just felt better to play. So that took us a long time. The other thing that kind of goes into it is you have to be going past things in order to get this sense of speed. Uh, if you're just always heading to a point, it's hard to, you don't know what's, what 
speed you're going. So we wanted to constantly see things in space that you go by, asteroid fields, little battles. You have to go, bypass other ships. So all those gave the, the sense of speed. Once a, That's all kind of iteration as we develop that stuff. And I think that's what makes the sense of speed and scale and scope is all come together. Yeah, I mean, I hear you talking about, you know, accurate scale of galaxy. Elite Dangerous does that, which yes. means that <laughs> there are times when you're hurtling towards a space station going, I'm doing fine. No, you're not. You're going way too fast. I'm doing fine. No, really, you're going to miss it. No, I'm going, here it is. And there it goes. <laughs> it's gone now. You just yeah. right past it. Why? Because you're going too fast. Because you can't tell. The, 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 the emptiness of space, there's no way to really show how fast you're going other than a number on the screen, which you can't even relate to initially. Right. Uh, and um, that's the problem with Elite Dangerous in my opinion. They do a fantastic job. When you go to warp in that thing, that's what I want to share with you. It's just that it, it, the Rebel Galaxy reminds me a lot of that. You know, when you, when you go into hyperspace on, 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 in Elite Dangerous, it reminds me a lot. Or Rebel Galaxy, they remind me of each other a lot. They've got it right. You do feel yourself, you're just being thrown through space at ridiculous speeds. Um, but uh, but then when you come out of it, it's like, okay, now I'm in the void. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. I need, now, I need, now I need to find something to fly to. And it's, it's gonna, it's, yeah. we're, well, we're big Elite fans. <laughs> Travis plays a lot of Elite Dangerous. Right. Uh, but we deliberately wanted to... We deliberately staked out goals that were not elite dangerous, not wing commit, uh, wing, private, uh, what star citizen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we, we wanted it to, to be a little, a little hair more cartoony, a hair more, uh, a lot more unrealistic. But some, some of these goals were in reaction. Even though we like these games, we're deliberately doing something different. Yeah, they have their space, no pun intended. <laughs> but you, this is a fun game, so much fun. Whereas Elite Dangerous is also fun in its own way. But I, I love the sense of exploration in both games. Um, I mean, I'm a big explorer. It's one of, I'm an archetype of an explorer. Um, so and that's, that's a perfect for a game like Rebel Galaxy because there's a lot to see and do and meet. Speaking of which, I love segues. You might have figured that out by now. Um, last question. I know it's sad, but you know, all good things come to an end. Faction management, I've found to be quite difficult to manage. You know, you, you play off each, each faction to get the most out of your own um, goals and uh, desires. Ha- with, you know, especially but having, making everyone happy is actually quite impossible because they end up shooting each other or you. How has the environment design been impacted on the variable of uh, faction relationships? I think that what, the way we sort of, we had grander plans that we sort of backed off on, and to a, to a minor degree, we sort of half-assed the faction stuff. Uh, but when we're, when we're kind of in the development, we're saying, how do we wrap up this game? What do we do? We, we kind of decided that you, you would either pick pro you'd either pick pro citizens or pro pirates and but given those picks you should be able to also do uh, pick up the mercenary guild the the merchant guild uh military's a little bit of a different case but those those would fit with anything but you sort of had to go with good or evil uh to a large degree we we had in mind that you could bounce between them i i really don't think people ever do that from what I've seen from streamers or how I actually played myself. Uh, but the idea was, I don't know, the idea, the, our grander schemes didn't really come into fruition, and it was kind of, hey, how do we, what do we do here? We didn't want to make it, I, I don't know, it wasn't a goal that you could be friends with all the factions. No. Uh, although people, for some reason, a lot of people think that that, should, that is what, they just can't figure it out, but that's what they should be able to do. Uh, and I'm not sure if we conveyed it well enough. Uh, I don't think it's as deep as it could have gone. I really, I'd, le- I'd, le- I'd love to do a better job of that in the future. Okay. It's just something I found fascinating because when you add that variable into the game or any game, love, it's, it's, it's ilk, 
you do find yourself almost potentially breaking aspects of it without realizing it. And that's what I wanted to tease out of you. And obviously what you've done is realizing that you saw that as an experienced designer. So I thought, hmm, we'd love to delve into this more, but quite frankly, we haven't got the time or the energy or the resources. So let's just back off a little bit and give it a more sort of um, not too deep, but still meaningful uh, addition to the experience. Yeah, I think, uh, again, one of the things about that's cool about making a game like this is we don't know what the game's going to be. Uh, so we always knew there'd be factions, but it wasn't until almost the end of the game, till we're like two or three months, that we really see what the factions are in that whole gameplay. So I think that it, it makes for a cool game, an initial game like this, but it's also nice that now I think we've solved some of these problems if we do continue with this stuff. Uh, we'll do a better job. <laughs> well, Eric, um, it's been fantastic having you on. Rebel Galaxy's out on Windows, PC, Mac, and Linux, am I right? Yeah, uh, no, Linux no Linux at this yeah. point. Uh, it'll, and it'll soon be for Xbox and Xbox One, PS4. Fantastic. I've got to ask you a question. I've just got hold of one myself. Have you tried playing this using the Steam controller yet? No, Travis has to make sure it works. Uh, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't used it myself. I'm going to give it a shot soon. Uh, I've been using my mouse keyboard for most of the time, but uh, I'm going to give it a shot because I do have one, and uh, it, uh, it looks great, and playing my Steam games on a big TV is awesome. But uh, yeah, yeah just, uh, but it's mainly been platformers and you know Splunky and stuff like that, which is you know it's great, but I just want to test out more like games like Dota and, and, and Rebel Galaxy. What's that going to be like um, to see if it works? But uh, Yeah, I'm, I like the Xbox controller. I just love the force feedback that really adds to the warp effects even more. Oh, it does. It does indeed. So, again, thank you very much for coming on the show. More than welcome to come back and talk about your next project, whatever that may be. Um, Great. I'm sure you're cooking up something right now. Who knows what it is? But um, are there any, chance, any plans to expand on on Rebel Galaxy at all? I mean, it's ripe for that, isn't it? You could also do all sorts of things. But I think, yeah. I mean, we've got a billion ideas. We haven't decided what to do next at all, though. So uh, we just, all we have is ideas. Yeah, yeah. And it's also it's coming the end of the year, and it's well, silly season. Yep, and just spent six months pretty much. 40 or 100 hours a week so we need a little relaxation yeah is it next week Thanksgiving for you guys yes it is I'm going down to Mexico myself oh right okay the US escape the US well we don't have it here I'm sure you're well aware Uh, but (laughs) for obvious reasons Uh, (laughs) considering it's history right uh, yeah it's like oh yeah thanks thanks for going bye (laughs) bye Thanks for being so boring. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, anyway. Thanksgiving's pretty boring too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, on that note, I'll uh, bid you farewell on this, and thank you very much for being. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review, and you can also don't forget listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com, and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory, and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me. Any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer, you listen to the show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Bye!